be warned. In this experiment, true life, we must ramp up the voltage to 1,000 volts. Don't scratch that. 10,000 volts. Yes, Master. Throw the switches, wait for the lightning. We'll get this up and running. Yes, Master. Welcome, Watchers of Illusion, to the Castle of Confusion and another DGC podcast. I bid thee welcome. It is August the 24th. Uh, This is the date of this broadcast. So, let's get on with things, shall we? I hope you guys are all having a fantastic summer holiday, although saying that, the sun hasn't exactly been prominent in this holiday, has it at all? It's more like a sort of dreary... Occasionally the sun pops his head out, then disappears again for another few weeks. It's been relatively cool, but it has been manageable. I have to say, I'm not a big fan of the summer myself. I do prefer the autumn, winter and spring months as they're a lot more reasonable weather-wise. I don't do heat very well. Um, I hope you guys are all having a fantastic time anyway. Um, What have we got lined up for you today? Well, I've got another couple of remixes for you a bit later on. And, um, well, sad to say, we've, we've had to say goodbye to another legend. And that's, well, two legends, actually, if you, if you want to include Rowdy Roddy Piper uh, from the uh, well-known WWF, or WWE as it is called now. Um, and, of course, uh, Scylla Black has recently passed away as well, which is a big shame. I had a great opportunity recently to sit down with a good friend of mine, uh, and his name is Boz. But before I get into the interview with him... Uh, Let's just uh, introduce him the only way I really know how to introduce him. Uh, cue titles? Hello Boz, and thanks very much for taking the time out for this little interview for the Retro Review. For those unfortunate retro fans that may not know of your good self, can you give a brief introduction of yourself and where they may have heard of you? Yes, hello Rich and everyone out there, I'm Boz, uh, real name Alistair, and uh, I've pretty much had a computer since I was like 11 years old. 1981, I had a ZX81. And then 82, I had a Spectrum. Then in 1985, I had a Commodore 64. And then 88, or maybe 89, can't remember exactly, I had an Amiga. And he used to sneak into amusement arcades as well and play lots of arcade games before I was thrown out for being under 18. So uh, I've pretty much been around computers since I was very young. And now, of course, all of those computers are, are known as retro computers. And I do a lot of retro gaming. I've also produced a couple of albums with Chris Abbott. And uh, I now, as part of my retro stuff, I do a radio show. 
Oh, it's really fantastic to hear about all the uh, the consoles and the computers you had over the years. Um, uh, hopefully you'll, you'll enjoy this little interview that uh, I've prepared for us. And uh, speaking of which, let's crack on with uh, question one. What would you say is your earliest memory of retro gaming and how it kept you hooked on the retro scene for the years that followed? Well, I guess because I've had some kind of computer since 1981, I've always played uh, games and uh, those kind of games, the ZX81 could only have character-based games, of course, but you had the Spectrum and, and, of course, the 64. Lots of people remember that as being a great games computer. But uh, I guess that just prepped me for uh, playing a lot of uh, what's now known as retro games. I love the old kind of games that were simple to pick up and use, uh, not so many controls to remember. You just, you know, up, down, left, right, and fire, basically. Sometimes space bar to throw a grenade or whatever, depending on the kind of game. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's nostalgia as well. It reminds me of when I was younger. Uh, and uh, and re- also going into the arcades uh, a lot and playing the, the old arcade games and then seeing the conversions on your home computer uh, brings back a lot of memories as well. So uh, I guess that's what kept me hooked in the retro scene. I still go back and play emulated versions of the 64 games, or and I've still got my real 64, so I, I play that a lot. You're well known for your radio antics on Slay Radio, a Commodore 64 remix online radio broadcasting station. What would you say is your current favourite remix, and why? Ooh, that's a toughie. Um, it changes all the time, of course. But I will tell you two remixes that stick to mind, actually. The first one isn't actually a remix. It's the original SIDS of Green Beret by Martin Galway and Commando by Rob Hubbard and uh, a guy called T-Tracker has put the two SIDS together. Uh, he's had to tweak it, so there's actually, there's some good work being done there. But the the reason that it sticks uh, in my mind is that T-Tracker has done something that we wish had happened back in 1986-ish when these games came out or when the music came out, is that Rob Hubbard and Martin Galway got together and did a SID. Uh, so T Tracker's done it twenty odd years later, and it's brilliant. And the second remix, uh, it's going to sound like I'm sucking up a bit because I do a show with him sometimes. But uh, it's Ryan Auerhand. He's done an excellent version of Year Kung Fu Two, which is on his Galway remixed album. I just think it's just perfect, brilliant remix. So the, those two stick to mind, I think. Who would you say is the most inspirational artist, in your opinion, from the collection of greats from the retro gaming golden era? Again, you're asking me the hard questions. Ooh, uh, the default answer, of course, is Rob Hubbard. That's what most people say. But I'm not going to say Rob Hubbard, actually. Although he was good, uh, we've since discovered that he has plagiarized a lot of his tunes. So they're not original. Oh, they, I, I mean, he's done a brilliant job of bringing them to the SID and um, managed to get so many sounds into three channels. There's no doubt that he's really good. But I'm going to say Martin Galway out of the two. Uh, Martin's tunes are a, a lot more original. And if I can let the uh, geeky side of me come through, hello! I've had a look at his uh, music routine uh, as well and some genius work going on in the background to produce these sounds that he uses. So for musical ability and also the way that he coded his routine, I would say that Martin Galway wins my award for best all-round artist uh, on the Commodore 64, or more specifically the SID chip. One of my all-time favourite tracks is Fire Lord Symphonic by the amazingly talented Glyn R. Brown. If you could choose one track from any Commodore 64 game and have it remixed, what would you choose, who would you choose to remix it, and why? 
Hmm. If I had to choose something that hadn't been remixed yet, then I'd go for Zeta 7, uh, a game called Zeta 7, the music by Mike Wacker, or so they think. There's a little question mark after it, so it might be him or might not. Because in my in my brain, I kind of feel it out to be a symphonic piece, so I would probably ask someone like Glenar Brown uh, to do it as well, because he's very good at doing this symphonic stuff. Although uh, Alistair Brimble is doing some great symphonic stuff. He's just come out with a Rambo loader. Um, so maybe Alistair Brimble could do it for me instead. With the recent release from Commodore USA of the retro casing C64, which for everyone else is a PC in a Commodore 64 casing, would you like to see this released in Europe? And do you think it could introduce the Commodore brand of computers to a new generation of retro gamers? No, 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 no. Uh, no, I definitely wouldn't go for it anyway if it was brought to Europe. I, I can't see the point of the Commodore USA thing. Having a PC inside a Commodore 64 keyboard, no, not for me. You either have a real 64 or you have a PC emulating a 64. There's no point of trying to stuff a PC into something that looks like a 64. I, I just, they really missed a boat. What they could have done is re-released uh, the real 64, maybe use uh, emulated chips instead of a real chip. But uh, no, I, I really can't see the point of uh, the Commodore USA thing. And I can't really see it introducing a new generation of retro gamers, really. Um, they can do that by downloading emulators on their PCs already, you know. I don't think this is going to offer anything new. I'd be interested to see the sales figures, actually. Maybe I'm wrong, but uh, I don't think so. Your show is pretty unique with its brand of humour. How did you get into the broadcasting side of retro games, and how did you manage to compile a catalogue of amazingly silly sound effects? Which I have to add, you have amazing comic timing inserting these into the tracks that you play live on air. <laughs> well, thanks, yeah. Uh, well, it all started with uh, Chris Abbott. Uh, I had done a couple of albums with Chris Abbott, um, 64 remixes. And then we decided to do a show called The Worst SIDS Ever. And it was kind of a, just a spoof radio show or a podcast, as it uh, would be called now. But it was before podcasts became big. So it was quite a few years ago. He and I did this uh, show called Worst SIDS Ever and put it onto his site. And then uh, Slagon contacted us because we didn't know much about him. And he said, uh, well, I run a radio station, so why don't you play it on my station? Uh, so we did. And then uh, I met Slagon uh, a few months afterwards and uh, kind of talked about it. Uh, are you ever going to think about doing live shows? I, I asked him and he said, yes, I'm, I'm actually working on the programming now. And then uh, Ken's, uh, once he'd done that, Ken's and I decided to start doing a show on Sundays called The Z Show. So uh, we, we got together and did that. So we were doing The Z Show for quite a while. And then I started doing a show in the middle of the week because, uh, well, I had some spare time, that was basically it, called uh, The Bonus Bit of Bollocks. And then uh, when I moved over to Sweden, I carried on doing the BBB, um, as I call it now, because it's not really a bonus bit of bollocks. It's a play on my surname. Uh, so that's how it started with Chris Abbott, really. And then uh, I met Slagon and uh, carried on doing live stuff from there. And with the sound effects, I mean, I just picked them up from loads of places, just off the internet. Uh, and sometimes I do the the sound effects myself, you know, just make silly sounds or I've just recorded someone else doing a silly sound and add some effects to it and, and whatnot. So it's it's really uh, just taken a lot of years to uh, build up this library that I've got. So, uh, yeah, just time and effort, I guess. 
Do you still own any retro computers or consoles? If so, what do you have and what are you currently playing? If you're not playing anything, what would you play, given the chance that you might have missed the first time round? Yeah, I've uh, still got my Commodore 64. Um, long story short, I actually sold my 64 to my uncle uh, when I was uh, getting my Amiga. And then a few years later, I was lamenting to my girlfriend at the time that I kind of missed it. So unbeknown to me, she'd actually bought it back off my uncle and gave it to me as a Christmas present. Uh, <laughs> so uh, it was great to have my original 64 back because I actually tweaked it uh, because I did electronics at school. I changed the LED, uh, the on uh, light, as it were. Uh, it actually flashes, uh, which makes my 64 look a bit unique compared to others with this flashing uh, LED on the top. So, uh, yeah, I still have my 64, and I also, uh, my friend had an Atari, uh, Atari 800XL, back in the day, and uh, I quite like that computer. I mean, it's it's the sound isn't as good, but it did have some good things going for it. So uh, I actually won an auction off eBay back in, oh, God, the early 2000s. So I uh, have an Atari XL, uh, 800XL of my own as well. So those are the two old computers that I've kept to myself. On my 64, I play all sorts. I've got a cartridge called the MMC64, which is basically you put a memory card into this cartridge, and then when you start the computer, it comes up with a menu of loads of games on the uh, on the memory card that you have in there, and you can just instantly play a game. So I play all sorts of games, uh, really no one particular one. Uh, with the Atari, I uh, it, it's set up, but I can't actually play any games. I'm waiting for a cartridge that I bought uh, the guy, the poor guy who's making them is actually just making them by hand. But it's basically the same thing. It's the MMC64, but for the Atari. So soon I'll be able to play uh, on the Atari. But not yet. I've noticed that uh, a lot of emulators are no longer worked on by their developers. Do you think the emulation scene is as big as it once was, or do you think it might have dwindled slightly? Uh, well, I've actually noticed that as old ones kind of die or stop being developed, uh, new ones come along. So... I don't think it's uh I don't think it's a problem to be honest. I think uh, the programmers who do uh old emulators kind of move on and do something else and then new fresh ones come along. So I don't think uh it's changed. I don't think it's got any worse. Uh I think it's as strong as ever. Uh, there's lots of emulators still out there and uh, still lots of interested people. So uh no, I don't think uh uh I don't think there's any change really. I think the emulation scene is uh, pretty strong. And thanks very much for your time to answer these few questions for us. Um, this last one is a chance for you to ask a question to any dream retro developer or musician of your choice on any subject. I would guess that my question would go to the big three, what I call the big three, uh, which is Martin Galway, Rob Hubbard and Euro and Tell. And I'd ask all three of them, would you please compose a new SID now? Uh, maybe using your old music uh, generator program, but uh, compose a SID now and just see if it sounds the same the, uh, or any different or whether you can remember how to make music on a SID. I think that would be an interesting uh, experiment, actually. Well, all that remains really for me to do now, Boz, is to thank you for your time on the interview. I really, really appreciate that. And uh, I'm sure the retro fanatics following the review on Twitter will appreciate it as well. I'd like to offer you now the chance to promote your radio show so we all know when to tune in and where to do so. 
<laughs> well, thank you, Rich, actually. It was good fun. Uh, yes, plug, 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 plug. I do a show called The BBB. It's on Wednesday evenings at 1900 Universal Coordinated Time, or GMT. And it's on Slay Radio, www.slayradio.org. So there you go. Thank you very much. Yes, a massive, massive thanks to Boz for that, uh, taking time out to uh, answer a few questions for, well, obviously for myself and for you, the listener, as well. I hope that uh, was enjoyable. And as a little thank you, I thought I'd uh, I'd play a uh, Commodore 64 remix, actually remixed by Boz himself, and it's called Glider Rider, the Happy Clappy Mix. And uh, yeah, you're in for a bit of a treat. This is a cracker. Ch-
You are listening to the DGC Podcast. I bid you a very warm welcome. Just another opportunity to uh, say thank you to Boz for sitting in on that interview for me. That was absolutely brilliant, and thanks for giving up your time. Excellent stuff. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, I'm going to try and get some more for you in coming uh, coming months. And uh, if you haven't already, check out the www.deadgoodcomics.co.uk and head over to the blog section where you'll find a brand new uh, retro game review, which has been put up today. Uh, it is Barbarian by Psygnosis. I don't know if you guys remember that company. They had some fantastic games. And, and the iconic Owl logo. If you didn't remember who they were, I'm sure you will if you saw the logo. Talking of the Spectrum, um, anybody got any thoughts on the ZX Spectrum Vega, which is basically the new handheld Spectrum? Um, I, it looks a bit pants quite honestly I don't think it's got favorable reviews either uh, but basically what it is is a little handheld uh, spectrum it's uh, it's got the uh, it's got your directional pad and it's got an a b one two button in this in the style of the original 48k rubber keyboard which I've got to sort of take my hat off to in, in some respects because it, they've kind of kept with the original model design however it does look like a cheap piece of crap um, and I, I'm sure the Spectrum fans out there have been raving for this, but at the end of the day, all it really is is a control pad with an emulator built in. Well, you can get that on your PC, folks, for free. Uh, these things ain't cheap. I mean, even the special edition one, you're looking at £100 just for that. I mean, it does come loaded with a 1,000 games. I'll give it that props, but at the end of the day, it's a bit pricey for something you can get for free. Uh, the other bonus to it, of course, is it does play every single Spectrum game ever released, apparently. Uh, I, I mean, when, when you've got 14,000 games to plough through, I'd hate to be the poor bugger that sat there and tested all those out. Anyway, um, I mean, it's a novel idea. I think it's a really clever idea to bring the retro back in that kind of style. But if you're going to do it, wouldn't you prefer to have, like, a replica of the actual ZX Spectrum 48K keyboard? Because I know I would. Having owned one of those back in the day, I think it'd be absolutely fantastic to actually have a proper replica keyboard that plugged into your SCART socket or HDMI on your TV, whichever, but enabled you to play the games from the keyboard with your OP, Q and A and space, because I know you all configured your keys that way. Um, but I think that would just be a better way of having it. You could actually have a dedicated, proper spectrum in front of you, which would uh, obviously be able to play the games through emulation, but it would feel like you're actually playing it from a real spectrum. Um, the, the C64 uh, rem remakes, which I mentioned earlier in the interview with Boz, um, the actual console of that is really cool. I mean, I've seen one of those in action, and they do look the, the dog's doodars. Um, and, and it actually, you know, it's a PC in a box, basically, but, I mean, it looks like a C64. But again, would you spend money on that when you can get C64 emulation for practically nothing? I'm not so sure. Um, I, I mean, I, I, what I would love to see is like is a Commodore Amiga done in that way, but a proper Amiga with all the stuff built into it. I think that'd be absolutely brilliant. Uh, and being a big retro gamer myself, I think that that would just be the cream on the cake for me. Um, but yeah, if you're gonna do uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna do something that's a homage to an original system, make sure it actually looks like the original system. I can see what they've done with it, but it's just. Nah, it just doesn't doesn't work for me. I'm afraid. 
Um, I mean, I hope it works. I hope it. I hope it's successful. Uh, but uh, I just like to see somebody else give it a go and actually bring out the proper rubber keyed spectrum. I mean, those things you could kick those down the stairs and they'd still work. I'm not quite sure you'd be able to do that with this. I think if you sneezed on it, it would break. It just does look a little bit flimsy and cheap. Um, but check it out anyway. Have a look on Google for ZX Spectrum Vega. Yes. So there you go. Anyway, we are pushing towards the end of t this month's podcast. Uh, the interview took up more time um, than I expected, but I'm going to put in another um, C64 remix for you, and this is the Analog Ninja, and it's by Feekzoid. This is an absolute treat.
That was The Analog Ninja by Feekzoid, and I really hope you enjoyed that. It is a treat for your ears, that one. Um, before I sign off on this month's podcast, I'd just like to say that we now have Harry Potter items in stock. It is a small selection for now, but we will be growing on it, depending on the popularity. Uh, also, we've got some new pop vinyl figures in. It's got its own category now, so go and check those out as well. We have some Doctor Who, we've got some Batman and some of the little goodies in there for you as well. So go and check those out, that's all new. We've got some new t-shirts, we've got the Ant-Man t-shirt, and we've also got a Legend of Zelda t-shirt. Go and check those out, as well as the Harry Potter t-shirts that we've got in stock as well. Mugs, everything else, go for it. And remember that the uh, the August promotion, if you've got any mugs or gifts in your basket, if you use the voucher code GIFTMEUP, uh, all one word, then uh, that will entitle you to a 10% carp discount on any of those items the offer ends on the 31st, so make sure that you get your goods in now. Anyway, that's it for this month, folks. I hope you've enjoyed my humble little podcast show, and I'll be back next month when everything has calmed down and gone back to normal. Whoopee! Let's hope that uh, the rest of you are also looking forward to some normality. Anyway, that's it. I've been Rich. You've been fantastic. I'll catch you on next month's podcast. Cheerio!